ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. They say Hollywood makes two kinds of movies. Hero goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town. So I, I, I got into background acting just through the necessity of, of needing work after COVID and being based in LA. Steel Saunders is that stranger, and he moved from Melbourne to LA to pursue his dream of comedy. And it's here, on set, that his life takes a weird turn. They were coming around with the checklist saying, oh, hey, this week, over the next three days, everyone has to go to the scanning um, truck and get scanned. The scanning truck. He has no idea what the studio representatives are talking about. You would sort of ask, oh, what's what's that for? And they're like, oh, it's just if they need to change anything. Now, Steele didn't like the sound of this scanning truck, but he knew he didn't want to piss off the bosses. So he said, yeah, of course. Inside the truck was a strange-looking machine. You're in this very modern computer setting, you know, three or four hundred, like, tiny little cameras, and you're on this platform, and then the platform raises up on, like, hydraulics or something. The 360-degree array of cameras photographed every inch of steel, and it created a lifelike 3D model. Just in a couple seconds, the platform goes back down, and you're done. And then you walk out and go, oh, there's a lot of cool computers in there. That was, that was like, kind of, that was like, admittedly exciting to see it all. Steele had just been digitally cloned. His body double now existed inside a computer where it could be made to do anything without him knowing. And just checking, Steele, you, you were wearing clothes at this point, correct? I was very well dressed. Like, if you're going to get scanned, that's, that's, that's the outfit to get scanned in. I'm going to look fantastic for all eternity. What was the studio doing, copying and pasting actors' faces and bodies? The answer would tear Hollywood apart and change the future of movies and TV. A new stranger had come to town. Its name was AI. Welcome to Hello AI Overlords, a science fiction series about how AI has burst into our lives in just a few short years. I'm James Pertul. By 2023, the excitement in tech circles has finally spilled over into the mainstream. Chat GPT, image generators and other powerful new tools are here. I'm going to introduce you to people who discover that AI has infiltrated their lives, and not always for the better. This is a story in three parts. The first contact, then the backlash, then acceptance. What happens when the world wakes up to AI? Part one, first contact. It starts with Anna, another background actor in Los Angeles. I was brought on as a background actor in a very large superhero movie. It was a really great experience, great director, great cast. And just like in alien encounter movies, Anna's first brush with generative AI was kind of spooky and strange. It was a weird day. Like to set the scene, there was weird vibes. There were a lot of people from the studio there, larger name producers, some larger, you know, 
studio types that were on set and the vibes were kind of weird that day. And I should say, Anna is not her real name. She's just a bit nervous about annoying the studios and breaching non-disclosure agreements. Anyway, one day on set at the superhero movie, she got the familiar tap on the shoulder. And they're like, hey, we have this really cool opportunity. Would you be interested in doing something? You know, some of the people from the studio are here. We're really interested in trying to, like, capture the best background that we have. I'm a curious person. And I was like, sure, I'll see what this is. So they lead Anna through a maze of corridors and into a secluded room. And there it is, a scanning machine. It kind of looked like an MRI machine, but like standing up. Anna says the studio representatives never mentioned digital clones. They were very cagey about how the studio would use the scan. It's like when they make action figures. It's like, you know, video games. It's cool. It's like, it's it's the thing that we do. This is just like a new way of doing it. And I'm like, that's interesting. So are we getting paid more for this? They said, nope, you will not get paid more. I was like, this feels wrong. Everything about this feels wrong. I don't like this. I was like, hey, I don't want to do this. And they're like, you really should do it though. And I was like, I'm good. So Anna walks away. But hundreds, maybe even thousands of friends and colleagues, other background actors got scanned. And then in early 2023, a rumour starts flying around Hollywood. The studios plan to replace them with scanned versions of themselves. AI was taking their jobs. And so they go on strike. One day stronger, one day longer. It's Hollywood's biggest shutdown in 40 years. There's hundreds of actors on the picket line. The entire business model has been changed by streaming, digital, AI. Even Fran Drescher is there, who you might remember as The Nanny from the 90s sitcom The Nanny. This is a moment of history that is a moment of truth. She's now the president of the Actors' Union, and she makes clear that actors from across the United States are terrified studios will use AI to replace them. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines and big business. Now, the studios deny they want to use digital clones to replace actors. But they also don't want to rule it out. And this becomes a major sticking point in negotiations with actors. And the strike drags on. By November, more than five months later, actors are still negotiating with studios. Of course, at the moment, if you walked on any set in LA at the moment, it would be um, a very lonely and dusty place. With actors refusing to act, Hollywood grinds to a halt. Which has caused an um, unimaginable ripple effect through Los Angeles because it's not just the, the actors aren't working, it's the, the caterers and the lighting people and the, the cleaners. As the strike drags on, many actors struggle to make ends meet. But they refuse to give up. They say their future is at stake. I self-deprecatingly say we're, we're just, you know, cardboard cutouts, essentially. We're, we're flesh-filled cardboard cutouts. Of course, the worry is that they're going to take the flesh out and just use the cutout. Steele feels a sense of hopelessness about AI. For him, it's not magical. It's just another way of undercutting workers. You look at car factories, look at, like, 
can we automate this? Can we get rid of humans? Yes. So, you know, essentially this has been taking place for, you know, since the industrial era. Like, how can we use technology to put humans out of work? And that, to me, is just like really sad and, 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 and just like in society, I always wonder like what jobs are we going to leave for the humans? After I spoke with Steele, the striking actors finally reach a deal with the studios. And the deal includes some protections for actors against AI, including paying them for use of their digital replica. It's been a wild year for Hollywood. The scanning trucks, the strike, and now the deal. And this story is just one of many tales of people encountering AI. And they all follow a similar pattern. People learn that AI is more than a cute novelty, more than a tool to write dumb poems or generate silly images. It can be used to undermine their livelihoods. And so we enter the next phase of the world waking up to AI. Part 2. The AI Backlash Imagine you've spent years learning your trade as a writer, and finally you've carved out a living as a published author. Meet Jane Friedman. She's a human, Manhattan-based author. My business, which is you know a freelance business, really rides on my reputation as a writer. Jane Friedman is a big deal in the publishing world. She's the author of a series of books on the business of being a writer. And she gives a lot of workshops on how to be successful. My name gets shared a lot in the writing and publishing community as a valuable resource. This is someone you can trust um, to get straight information. So Jane feels pretty safe in her work. But then, one day in August, her life changes forever. I received an email from someone who heard about a class I was about to offer. This person had gone on Amazon and they searched for Jane's books. But some of the books looked odd. When she looked closer, she realised this this all looks a little strange. You know, her picture's not on it, her bio's not on it, but her name's on it. So Jane took a look and what she found shocked her. There were half a dozen books published under her name that she hadn't written. And they were for sale on Amazon. And when she read further, it was obvious they were AI-generated. It was really repetitive, generic. It wasn't meaningful information. It was the sort of thing, to my eye, that looked like you, what you would generate out of ChatGPT, which I've experimented a lot with, being the curious person that I am. Jane asked Amazon to take the books down. But at first, the platform refused. She feared the worst. Her livelihood was built on her reputation for being knowledgeable and trustworthy. Now it might be drowned in a sea of crappy AI content. The books had her name on it. How could people tell the difference between her real books and the fake ones? Eventually, Amazon responded. I received a message from their PR person saying, we're looking into it, please be patient. <laughs> and then when I got up the next morning, this was Tuesday, most traces of the books were gone. Getting the books removed was a win for Jane. But there was still the mystery of how the AI was able to copy her. 
Now, we know that ChatGPT and other new writing tools are trained on billions of words scraped from the internet and from digital libraries of books. AI companies generally don't say which books and which websites they've scraped. But Jane suspected her website had been targeted. AI writing tools seemed to know a lot about her and her work. Exactly the information she'd published on that website. How else would it know except by doing a lot of scraping of my website? But she didn't know for sure. Then she stumbled upon an article that seemed to answer her question. The reporter had unearthed a list of websites that Google and Facebook used to train their large language models. The first site I put in was janefriedman.com. <laughs> you actually have a ranking. It like tells you like numerically how important your site is in the grand scheme of all of the grains of sand. And I felt a little bit proud that my, my site actually ranked relatively high. <laughs> this list explains how an AI writing tool is able to produce cheap and crappy knockoffs of Jane's writing. But it also raises more questions about the future of her industry. I would say the authors who are most at risk are the ones who are already putting out low quality material and they probably know that they're doing it. Jane says AI isn't anywhere near good enough to replace most human authors at the moment. But it is improving rapidly, and authors are getting worried. Amazon has tightened its rules a little around AI content, and Jane has lawyered up. I have actually hired a law firm to prepare a trademark application for me. Jane's taken the unprecedented step of trademarking her name. If someone is abusing it, I really need to have immediate remedies to stop the abuse. So I was imagining in the era of AI that people could totally, you know, create an entire website full of Jane Friedman articles or create videos or podcasts or courses with the Jane Friedman name. And, and then what would I do? In less than a year, ChatGPT has changed publishing and the backlash is here. Authors are negotiating contracts, so a publisher can't use their books to train an AI. And some writers are suing OpenAI for copyright infringement. They say the maker of ChatGPT stole their voices. These are voices they'd spent their lives crafting. Media outlets, like the ABC, are blocking OpenAI from scraping data from their websites to train future language models. So what's the chance of this backlash slowing big tech? Well, we don't know. But it showed the world that AI has a dark side and that the AI utopia big tech promised may only be good for some people. But the backlash isn't the full picture. Many people find the new AI tools really, really useful. Let's call this part of the story the new reality. I said at the start that Hollywood makes two kinds of movies. A stranger comes to town and a hero goes on a journey. Well, this is a story of a hero that goes on a journey. And I'm the hero, if I do say so myself. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, intimidating to look at a big classroom full of you guys. 
I've talked my way into a school in Perth to interrogate the students one by one. That's why I've come here today to kind of find out from you how you're using these new generative AI tools. And I'm here to solve an important mystery about 2023. But yeah, this is like your chance to kind of give a proper insight into what the year has been like for you. At the start of the year, there were big headlines about how ChatGPT would ruin education. Experts said students would use AI to cheat. And then, well, nothing. We never actually heard if this happened. So I'm here at the end of the year to finally answer the question. I'm just gonna interview the small groups in the small room. How much do students use ChatGPT to cheat? How does that sound? A room full of teenagers stare back at me in silence with barely concealed contempt. Yeah, okay, cool. I press on with my mission to get to the truth. Great, well, yeah, here's the questions. I'll... I come across Brody. He's in year 11 and he's doing a ton of hard subjects like physics, chemistry. Hello? He yeah. looks me in the eye and he says he isn't a cheater. Though he does use ChatGPT. I use a lot of, not just ChatGPT, but other sort of AI tools for inspiration for certain projects. So I might use AI um, image tools to start some design ideas for websites, for characters, that sort of stuff. I turn to Brody's friend, Danny. He's been watching the interrogation. Danny doesn't look particularly nervous. And when I ask him if he uses AI to cheat at school, he confidently says, no. If you use ChatGPT, you'll have a, like, it's not cheating, but like you get a head start in um, what the subject's gonna be like, like the basic outlines of it. And sometimes I've seen people use like generative AI to like generate photos for their PowerPoints. So two students down and no cheating here. I think they're telling the truth, but I do have a big ABC microphone and their teacher is just standing over there. So who knows? So I lay my cards on the table and I ask the class directly. So how come none of you guys use it to cheat? If I'm not learning it, then there's not much point using it to cheat in class. Cheating will just lead to more work in the future. These are, these are very mature answers. Do you think they're widely held or are you guys the exception? They're probably widely held because with asking before this, I've talked to many friends about it and they have similar views because the main is that there's exams to it. You have to know everything anyway, so it really doesn't matter using AI or anything. I'm defeated by their academic integrity. Everyone said their students were going to use ChatGPT to cheat during 2023, but not a single student will admit to this. In the days that follow, I have a crisis of confidence. A hero goes on a journey, but the journey proves far harder than they expected. I start to question the very basis of my investigation. What is cheating? Where is the line between getting ChatGPT to write your homework and learning how to use an important AI tool? A school may call it cheating, but an employer, well, they might call it innovation. Then I get a message. I've cast the net wide to try and find a student who cheats. I've been posting on study forums for high school students around Australia and my hard work starts paying off. 
I start getting voice messages in response to my questions. One arrives from a Year 11 student in Sydney. Chrysula has a truly terrifying list of subjects. My subjects this year are Advanced Mathematics, Advanced English, Extension English, Economics, Modern Greek Continuous, hopefully Extension History. Chrysula says at the start of 2023, she was addicted to ChatGPT and she was using it to help with her homework. It was especially useful for literary analysis and providing quotes for themes in text. Then she noticed she was doing worse in assessments. I noticed my critical and analytical thinking was slightly impaired. And she grew worried about how using the tool was affecting her learning. The daily use had formed a habit. So Chrysula blocked ChatGPT on her computer. But she tells me that her friends are still addicted and maybe use it to cheat. My friends use ChatGPT constantly, even handing in entire assessments written entirely by the AI. I knew I was getting close. And then, finally, I score a hit. My hard-hitting investigation of cheating in Australian schools pays off. A Year 12 student sends the message I've been waiting for. I can see the WA Media Award dangling before me. I call him straight away. I probably wouldn't want to use my full real name. Yeah. Eric. Eric's a good name. I like it, Eric. Eric isn't his real name. He wants to be anonymous for this interview. And it's soon clear that Eric is here to spill the beans. He tells me how he began cheating. I went, well, if this can, you know, spit out information this fast, what's to say it couldn't do it for schoolwork? Early in term one, Eric gave ChatGPT his geography assignment. So I was, I was sitting there and I was just watching it and it's just printing out all these lines, printing them out, printing them out. And I'm going, wow, how how have we created something like this as a species? And it's like a full complex essay just being printed out on your screen in seconds is really amazing thing. And then, yeah, obviously you have that sort of that, that joy kickback where you're like, oh, now I don't have to do it. I've, I've got it done. It's done now. So just to... Just to be clear, was, did that count as cheating? That would count as cheating. Yeah, I, I would assume so. If, if it was caught, I would assume that would be seen as, as cheating, but slipped through fine. So, yeah, Eric cheated on that geography assignment. Although for essays that actually counted towards his HSC, he says he didn't. Most of the time, he used it to do his homework. So around, around 60% of my homework was written by ChatGPT due to the fact that uh, I, I found it to be a lot easier to do and give me more time. How common is your story among the people that you know? I would say you'd be hard-pressed to find a student that hasn't used AI for at least something, uh, whether that is just harmless studying or an assessment or a piece of homework. I think it would be very difficult for you to find a student that is sitting the HSC right now that hasn't used it for something. Eric says using ChatGPT to do most of his homework hasn't affected his ability to learn. And the reason he gives for this is that homework is a waste of time. With a lot of homework tasks, personally, I find that they are, instead of learning, it's it's more regurgitating. Mission complete. I say goodbye to Eric. The hero staggers to the end of his journey, weary but triumphant. A cheater found. But, of course, this isn't all about cheating. The reason I've told you these students' stories is because I think it's important to get to the nuance of how AI can be used. 
At the start of 2023, we had the usual knee-jerk responses to a new technology. Schools banned ChatGPT and everyone predicted students would cheat. But the story is more complicated. Students are using AI in lots of different ways. As AI tools multiply, the line between schoolwork and plagiarism is getting blurred. Schools may have to rethink education. One of the very mature teenagers at the Perth High School, Barron, summed it up best. The problem about integrating AI into school is that it's pretty hard to enforce the difference between using it for research and using it for cheating. Even if it's easy to find out that someone's cheating, preventing someone from cheating in the first place would be very difficult. So that's students. For them, AI can be great. It's something they use to benefit themselves. For actors, it's a different story. AI is something that happens to them. And we'll have to see if the new deal struck with studios means they actually get paid when their digital replica gets used. For writers, well, they're getting their words scraped from the internet and fed back to them as AI content. And they have to compete with this. In every story, it's roughly the same technology. It's all generative AI. The difference is who's using it and who's getting used, who benefits and who loses out. This is Hello AI Overlords, a science fiction series. You can find our previous episodes on the ABC Listen app. See you next week. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.